morning. So we thank the vicar for this series. Okay, so if you're, if you're new this morning, uh, welcome to our series on Genesis. Today we're looking at days one to three of creation, and this is where God is forming. God forms light. He forms the sky and the seas. Then land and vegetation are formed as the seas are parted. Last week was formless. This week is forming. If you missed Simon's sermon last week, then we did verses one and two, in the beginning, in the beginning, God. Do catch up online if it's at all possible, because uh, we heard so much. The, the great headlines are, we heard about uh, tohu and vabohu. These words are translated as formless and empty. And the beauty of scripture and how it contains many sevens and we had the Bible Project video as well. So do watch that because that's fantastic. Um, and we heard about the word for God, which is Elohim, which is God. Okay, we're dealing with God. We're dealing with an all-round God. And we'll have got a little bit more on that today. And we have the spirit, the Ruach, hovering over the waters. So, please, if you've got a flask of coffee, pass it round. It's communion. I don't have very long. I'm going to pack it in. Okay. This sermon comes with great thanks to Sarah Gould, who I think is watching online. And welcome to anyone who is online. Get a coffee. And also to Brian Wakelin, who has upskilled all of us. Okay, today is about Genesis 1, 2, and 3. God is speaking structure into place. It was formless, tohu, vabohu. It's forming. There is light and dark. There is water and atmosphere and air. Then there's land and plants. There's an order here. There's a logic. And there's a tiny logic to this sermon, which goes one, two, three, one recap, two bits of context, and three days. Okay. So I'm not trying to discuss God versus evolution. There are some brilliant books that I can highly commend to you on this subject. But today, what I hope to do is point to this one unbelievable God that we worship today. Okay, and that was one, that was the introduction. Two bits of context. First of all, the language in the picture. So as we heard just now, the language is very, very important in the context. Let's think Shakespeare for a moment, the man of the millennium. Okay, Puck, a Midsummer Night's Dream. He says, I will set a girdle around the earth in 40 minutes. Now, clearly, it's not going to happen. So Puck is fetching a flower to drug Titania. This is all at Oberon's bequest. He wants Titania to fall in love with the next thing she meets, which happens to be a donkey. It's a nasty trick. Puck cannot really get round the world, even in that day, in 40 minutes. It's an image, isn't it? It says, yep, yeah, I'm on at Oberon. I've got this one. Is Shakespeare writing prose? Is he writing poetry? Was it written by Shakespeare at all? Was it written by somebody from the school of Shakespeare? Do we really care? It's Shakespeare. It's part of our GCSE syllabus. Simon was saying last week that truth can be communicated through metaphor and pictures. There was the iconic 
picture of the tube map. So ask Simon about that. It's, a, it's an image. We all use it if we go to London. It's not exactly accurate, but it's a brilliant map. It's a fantastic image that helps us navigate through something. That was context one. This is context two, is the one supreme God. So as we were saying just now in the video, without going into immense detail, just think Moses, okay? Think Moses for the time of writing. Not Moses, but the time of Moses. Um, it's the time probably of the Babylonian Empire. So it's a time when there were many gods, many, many gods. So Babylon wanted to be the supreme ruler, okay? Now we're thinking Star Wars, thinking the emperor, we're thinking dominion over the world. So the Babylonians had their own story of Genesis, and apologies to Sarah for this, but the Enume Elish, or Elish, when the, which there were many gods, there were many, many gods in the story of creation. They needed gods to make sense of the world. So the fact that this story of Genesis is talking about the one true God, the one supreme God, is seismic. You know, we take it for granted, we're going to pray to God. No, no, we're praying to the one God. This is the faith that we have. This is a building block of our faith today. And it was critically important. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That came as the Ten Commandments were given. Okay, we've done one, we've done two, we're now to three each day. Day one, light and dark. Okay, just remember, this is being read probably to the Babylonians in exile, to the families, everyone's listening, it's story time, but their lives were shrouded in darkness. And here, creation starts with light. They were in a terrible time in exile, and the first message is light. And with it, this light brings hope, light from the darkness. Gabriel and I, a little while ago, we were backstage at the Royal Opera House on a tour, and the basement of this colossal place is full of lighting. You know, you can imagine someone saying, giving the command, lights, house lights up. You know, it's an incredible wash of light. Light is transformative. I mean, we all know the impact of a power cut. And light is critical throughout the Bible. Jesus is the light of the world. Your word is a lamp to my feet, says the psalmist, a light to my path, Psalm 119. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1, this echo of Genesis 1. And a lovely detail, note, it was evening, and then it was morning. All Jewish celebrations start in the evening, and it reminds me that God works around the clock. He's there, right in the darkness, in the middle of the night. Day two, air, water, atmosphere. This is a picture of the Guazu Falls in Brazil. It's the largest broken waterfall in the world. It's a massive Im image of, of the wonder of God's creation. So here, 
day two, we're now into boundary lines set by God. So the vault is one translation we heard today. A dome is another one. God is setting the boundary lines of the air, the water, and the atmosphere. So God makes a declaration, and then he acts to bring that word into being. So the biggest dome that I can think of with my human brain is the O2, the Millennium Dome. So imagine that and speed up the construction in your head. Or or think Minecraft now sold more than 300 copies, making it one of the most popular things in the world. You know, we, we love to build, we love to create. And just imagine that, fast forward, that creation of a big dome. So water... You know, we just heard about light, but water is incredible, isn't it? It's essential to life. Jesus was baptized in it. We still use it today. I mean, we could do a whole series on water. The Falcon rocket that, that went so wrong this week trying to reach the moon was looking for water on the moon. The psalmist again, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the storehouses, the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the peoples of the Lord revere him. This is Psalm 33. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded, it stood firm. Note, that the air we breathe, which is also essential to life, is just a byproduct of God's creation. Day three, land, plants, vegetation. The seas are kind of gathered up. Again, God speaks, and then that word is brought into being. So we can almost picture the sea, can't we? Covering the land mass, retreating so that the land emerges. Think tectonic plates. Think Moses crossing the Red Sea. Once again, God speaks, and the world of plants and fruit and trees and all vegetation emerges. So a really important part of this creation is the order. There's something very reassuring, isn't there, about order in creation that we take for granted. You know, the apocryphal story of, um, you know, mother about to have a baby, toddler says, um, you know, is asked, well, what would you like? Person asking the question, thinking boy or girl, and the toddler says, I'd like a bike. So, but actually, there's a kind of, you know, we give birth to babies. Beech trees only begin growth when it's been light for 13 hours a day. How do they know that? Ruth Valeria is fantastic on this. So we also know the impact of how if we tamper with creation can have a tangible effect. Tangible effect. The havoc and the flooding from Storm Henk is so fresh in our minds. The boundary between water and land is increasingly fragile. Terrible droughts in South Sudan, Somalia. And it leaves me wondering, you know, what legacy do we leave our next generation? And yet... This one God remains, Elohim. Okay, I'm going to draw some thoughts for us. That was one, two, three, and now a few thoughts.
We have had darkness into light, water into the atmosphere, the water above and below. We see the seas parting and land and vegetation and full of green. And the Hebrew says, greeny green. Um, And this all points to one God. It points to hope because we know there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Restoration is promised. These themes go right the way through the Bible, from Genesis, through the Psalms, through Jesus, to Revelation. Hebrews 6. Hebrews is a brilliant book to read alongside Genesis. It's a bit quirky, but it works. Okay, God's promise is like an anchor. It's like an anchor in the storm, in the darkness. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear, to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. And we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And maybe that's all you need to hear today, that God is your anchor. So God created form, forming. There was order. There was structure. There's a logic to it. But hang on a minute, because... This is the God that we pray to today. It is actually the same God that we pray to today. It's the God of power and might. Job, at the end of Job, God says, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked out its dimensions? Surely you know who stretched. So, as I finish, one challenge and one question. So as you go out this week, could you please look for God? Take one nature walk or just look at the trees in their beauty as we see their structure with no leaves. Even if you just breathe in God's creation, get to some water if you can. Just look for God this week. Then one question. God spoke then. He spoke, and he still speaks today. Are we listening? Anyway, there's another series there, isn't it? Next week, it is days four, five, and six. God is commanding creatures to fill what was previously empty. Don't miss it. Amen.